Hi, we've got the latest and greatest from Curiosity.com, plus a special guest to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how ADHD could make you more creative and how to boost your productivity by scheduling your week with the arrow method. You'll also learn why we may have already found aliens with some help from author Mike Wall, also a senior writer at Space.com. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. There are a lot of misconceptions around ADD, or Attention Deficit Disorder. And according to a new study, artists living with Attention Deficit Disorder might actually have an advantage over neurotypical people. Today, we're going to clear the air and explain what this new study implies. And the subjects in this study have been diagnosed with high-functioning ADHD, specifically, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Right. Let's get something straight. Being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD doesn't necessarily mean you can't focus on anything. In fact, one of the symptoms of the disorders is something called hyperfocus. That means a person becomes intensely focused on a topic that interests them, so much so that they might actually have a problem tearing their attention away. That's why it's maybe not so surprising that a lot of artists have been diagnosed with the disorder, including Solange Knowles and Emma Watson. Perfecting your craft takes undivided attention, and somewhat surprisingly, people with ADD and ADHD can supply that in spades. This new study from University of Michigan psychology researcher Holly White tested another hypothesis. She recruited 52 college students, half of whom had high-functioning ADHD, and she tested their creative muscles in a series of tests. In the tests, participants were basically asked to come up with unique imaginary fruits and words that didn't follow recognizable patterns. You can read all the details of the study in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on our free Curiosity app for Android and iOS, but it turned out that the ADHD set outperformed the neurotypical set at breaking the mold suggested by the examples given. The takeaway was that although ADD and ADHD can pose significant challenges to those who live with the conditions, they can also give you an edge in at least one regard. Today's tip for tackling your time, have you heard of the arrow method? It's a nice, easy way to stay productive. You ready for this? I'm ready. Here goes. Step one, front load your week with work. Okay, what's next? That's it. What? Schedule as many of your meetings as you can for the beginning of the week, preferably on Monday or Tuesday. It's perfect for regular meetings like weekly check-ins and financial updates. See, this way you start your week with a pretty packed schedule, but then the rest of the week is more open. And this comes with three major benefits. First is flexibility. So if something unexpected comes up halfway into the week, well, that'll give you more time during the second half of the week to actually deal with an emergency or whatever else came up. If a client needs you to fix something and it'll take all day Wednesday, then you don't want to have to reschedule a dozen meetings on top of fixing that thing, right? The second major benefit is psychological satisfaction and peace of mind. How good does it feel to cross items off your to-do list? Spoiler alert, super good, especially on a Monday or Tuesday. And the third thing is that you can make travel plans more easily. This is kind of like the scheduling benefit. The arrow method makes it so that you know not to schedule flights for Monday. On that note, you can feel comfortable scheduling travel plans later in the week without having to rearrange your work schedule, right? Because if it's Tuesday and you find out you have to hop on a plane Thursday, then you don't have to reschedule a ton of Thursday meetings because you already had them. Like I said, kind of the same thing as the flexibility point. Bonus, you'll pay less for plane tickets since it's cheapest to travel midweek. Aha, two birds with one stone. And if the arrow method sounds familiar, it's kind of like a macro version of the frog method we talked about on a recent episode. Mark Twain allegedly had a phrase called eating the frog, quote, eat a live frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day, unquote. That's still disgusting. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, that's the arrow method. Use that to kick off your week, stay productive, and drink in a little Monday motivation. Today's episode is sponsored by Interior Define. Interior Define is an entirely new kind of furniture brand created specifically to make sofa shopping more comfortable. Every sofa I've ever had has either been a hand-me-down from a roommate or something purchased from a roommate. But the problem is that when I go into a store, like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what my style is. I don't know what's going to fit in my apartment. And Interior Define literally uses augmented reality to fix all of those problems. I would agree, because with other stores, it's hard to find something that's your style or the right size for your space, right? Well, Interior Define lets you customize your perfect sofa, chair, bed, or table to get it exactly right, whether you live in a small studio and you need the right sizing, or you need a pet-friendly fabric or just like a softer cushion. Interior Define makes it easy to design your own sofa, not your roommate's sofa, with their online sofa configurator. They have an augmented reality app for iOS that lets you visualize pieces in your home. Every order gets free delivery and a 365-day return policy. So get started with free swatches. You can order free swatches to see and feel fabrics in your home. Just visit interiordefined.com. One more time, that's interiordefined.com. What if we have actually already discovered aliens? I'm not trying to be weird or funny here like I usually am. I actually got a really interesting answer to this question that I think is really worth sharing. It came from Mike Wall, the author of the new book titled Out There, A Scientific Guide to Alien Life, Antimatter, and Human Space Travel for the Cosmically Curious. Sounds like us. He's been a senior writer at Space.com for nearly a decade, and he's talked to a lot of scientists about space exploration, aliens, and more. One of the chapters in his book is called Have We Already Found E.T.? And I asked him about it. And here's what he had to say. There are some scientists who think that we've found microbial life on Mars. Um, there are some scientists who remain vocal that like the Viking mission in the 1970s, NASA's Viking landers found signs of, of like alien metabolism in the, in the dirt on Mars. And there are some people who are claiming that to this day. There, there's another group who claims that, um, that, that, that a Mars meteorite that people examined back in the mid 90s, that it actually does contain convincing signs of Mars microbes. There are a lot of people, I mean, most scientists don't agree with those claims, but there are vocal groups who do, like either agree with the first or the second or both. So there, there's an argument within the scientific community that it's possible that we've already found life on Mars. And yeah, we, we just can't can't demonstrate it for certain. Or there's still It's still ambiguous. This is, this is an argument that's going on in the scientific community now. Do you have an idea of how fringe that is? Are we talking, are we talking climate change denying scientists versus... <laughs> the, you know, the, the mass consensus or whatever, are we talking like a 90-10 split, 60-40? It's probably closer to 90-10 than to 60-40. I mean, yeah, like the people who are arguing the, the pro-Viking life people are, are definitely in the, in, in the very small minority. And the like Mars meteorite Allen Hill's life people are definitely in a small minority, too. But they're credible. I mean, they're, they're scientists. They, they've like analyze this. And I mean, they aren't crackpots. So I mean, you can't just say, oh, these these people are nuts. And that that sort of highlights some um, kind of how how like tough it's going to be to know if we found if we made that epical discovery, right? Because there's so many variables that can go into it. First of all, I mean, say you send a rover to, to Mars looking for signs of like native Martian life, and it, it like turns up a microbe. I mean, even if everybody agrees it's a microbe, there's going to be a whole other argument about if that microbe is actually native to Mars or if, if that rover brought it with it. Because, you know, even if you sterilize a spacecraft, it's impossible to get everything that's on there. I mean, 
yeah, microbes are really, really tough. Some of them can form these really hard spores that are pretty much indestructible. It's just, there are so many things. I mean, it's going to take just really, really convincing proof for that find to be generally accepted, partially because, I mean, you need a high bar for a major discovery like that, and partially just because scientists are very skeptical people. That's, that's part of the job description. One more time, that was Mike Wall, author of the new book, Out There, A Scientific Guide to Alien Life, Antimatter, and Human Space Travel for the Cosmically Curious. You can find a link to his book in today's show notes, and if you support our show on Patreon, then you'll be able to hear a full episode of the Curiosity Podcast featuring Mike in the near future. Find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. 